Well, good morning, and it's a great joy and privilege for me uh, to be with you today and have the opportunity to open up the Word of God and to serve as the Lord's spokesman today from this wonderful book of Proverbs. And uh, I want to encourage you to listen along with me. Uh, There are several sermon texts for this morning, so not just one sermon text that we have. Um, I will read those rather than you uh, try to find them in the book of Proverbs, but the title of today's sermon is Wisdom in Brokenness Before the Lord. Hear the word of God. Proverbs 12:25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda, is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, and let's once again ask for his help. Father, we are thankful for the reason which we've gathered here today. It's already been prayed, it's already been mentioned. Uh, Lord, it's been expressed in our hearts, even if we have not been the one to voice it publicly, that we are before you a people who are broken. We are wounded. We have been crushed in more ways than what we even are able to articulate. And God, we pray that your spirit, your spirit who is the comforter, the helper, would draw near this morning and would help us. God, we pray that you would make us to be a whole people who are humble before you, useful for your service. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, just a few general observations uh, from Proverbs. And before I just hit on some of these general observations, let me give you an idea of where we are going this morning. Uh, We're continuing the series in Proverbs, and there's really five questions that I'm I'm hoping and aiming to answer today from, not just Proverbs, but just from God's Word altogether. First, we want to consider, what do we know about the crushed spirit, or wounded spirit, or broken spirit? In many respects... Wounded, crushed, broken are synonymous terms. The second 
uh, our second objective is what are some of the experiences that are associated with the crushed spirit? Then, how can we approach those with a broken spirit? Then we want to talk about a, a few ways uh, or a few things that we can learn from those who have a crushed spirit. And lastly, how do you do battle when you simply do not want to do battle? So these are the questions that we're going for today, uh, read from several passages um, in Proverbs, and a few general observations from this. There's no single cause for a broken spirit, nor is there a single treatment plan. So what do we do do in matters such as this? What do you do when the Bible doesn't have the word depression in it? What do you do when the Bible doesn't have the word schizophrenia or bipolar? None of these terms we we, we can look through from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. We're not going to find these words in God's word, word. Are we left then without hope? Do we just uh, submit to whatever science wants to put out there? And though the Bible doesn't contain words like these, it doesn't mean that we're not, that we're a people that are without hope. Wounded, broken, crushed. These are adjectives that describe emotions and afflictions associated with the heart and spirit. In the verses that I read for you, we're not given the details and we're not even given the surrounding circumstances for their trouble. All we know is this, there is trouble. And it's the kind where their spirit and their heart is described as being crushed. It's described as being wounded or broken. Some of this may be because we might be tempted to compare our circumstances with people in the Bible. They are there for, uh, to serve as examples for us, but we ought to be careful and we ought to be wise not to match our circumstances with theirs, nor should we ever assume that we can't derive help from their circumstances or their examples. I'm going to hold forth before us Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Today's sermon is both complex and beautiful. It's complex and it's beautiful. It's complex in its nature because of how complex we are as humans. We're not an easy people to understand. We're not an easy people uh, to be able to figure out. And the reason for this is because we're physical, we're spiritual, we're emotional, we're relational. Doctrinally speaking, the Bible holds forth that we are embodied souls. God has given us a body and God has given us a heart. God has given us a soul. So we are embodied souls. This is how he has made us. This is how he has designed us. It's complex because circumstances, circumstances can affect our body and they can affect our soul. For example, a person who has chronic pain is likely also to struggle in their inner man. Their pain is not only associated with their body. Similarly, a person who is crushed in spirit may also begin to have problems with their body. It's complex because we read in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, I opened and bookended the reading with these two 
verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 25, you see that a good word does what to a person who has an, who's weighed down with an anxious heart? It lifts it up. It's good. But Proverbs 25, 20 says, singing songs to a troubled heart can feel like, on a day like today, snatching their coat from them, exposing them to all the elements of the weather, or to put vinegar in their, in their drink. It's complex because a wounded spirit doesn't normally display itself like a regular wound. One of my kids come walking through in the living room and they have a visible mark on them. There's a series of questions that I know to ask. What happened? How did you get that mark? Wounds can also be exposed. We can see things uh, as well where we don't have to ask questions. Several years ago, attempting to put the star uh, on our Christmas tree, I forget that our ceiling fan is on, and I stepped up, and next thing I know, whop, 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 I, I get hit in the head. I, 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 I'll admit I shrilled. I, I, I screamed a little bit because I, I, I thought I had been uh, decapitated. Um, once April kind of, she, she recovered fairly quickly and started laughing, which I found to be a bit insensitive, uh, only until I realized that uh, our fan had, I don't think we had ever dusted our fan before, vacuumed it, and so there was a dust mark that was, had lined my head exactly where that, um, where that ceiling fan blade had clipped it. But wounds that involve the heart, these aren't immediately outward. There's no physical marks. There's no uh, dust on the forehead. We read earlier in Proverbs 14.10, the heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. Proverbs 14.13, even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. One of the more effective coping mechanisms is for a person to laugh and give the appearance of joy in order for them to hide and conceal the great turmoil that is happening inside them. Some of you may be familiar uh, with the actor Robin Williams. I'm not in any way endorsing his work. If you do see his work, you ought to be uh, really, really careful at some of the content. Uh, but nobody can argue the fact that uh, he was extremely funny. He was extremely gifted with being able to make people laugh in the, in the spur of the moment. And I watched his documentary on a recent international mission trip, and I was struck that Robin Williams eventually took his life. Here we have somebody, one of the more gifted people that we know, in being able to make people laugh, and yet underneath, his joy, his public persona of joy, is great grief. Of such, he was such anguish of soul that he didn't think that he could take it anymore. This subject, though, doesn't have to remain complex. And this is where many people get stuck. It can be a beautiful subject. As we understand our spirit, we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It can be beautiful as we become better situated at walking with each other during the seasons where our heart and our spirit are wounded. It can be beautiful as we understand there is hope, even in the more dire circumstances when it seems that it's most hopeless. We realize 
there is hope. Not in some inanimate object, not in time, not in a substance, but in a person. Does a wounded spirit mean that there is sin? Our spirits have the capacity of being crushed as a result of the fall, but there is not always a direct tie to our wounded spirit as the cause of sin that we've committed. We still bear a responsibility for our sins, even when there has been sin committed against us that would lead, therefore, to a crushed spirit. So that's introduction, which leads us to our first question. What do we know about the crushed spirit? What do we know about it? What do we know about those who are broken, those who are wounded? Here are some of the symptoms that are connected with a broken spirit. There's guilt. There's shame. Heaviness. Sadness. There's perceived hopelessness. There's a more critical and cynical spirit. There's feelings of worthlessness. What are some of the effects on our life? Proverbs 17, that I read earlier, a broken spirit can dry up the bones. Consider the words used in several of the Proverbs, one of which is crushed spirit. The word crushed, think about this. Most, most anything else in life that is crushed can be known. I might be mistaken on this, but I, I think for our lunches, I think we removed uh, chips as being an option because when chips would fall on the floor, all it takes is for one person to step on the chips and suddenly it's just an impossibility to ever, ever sweep them all up. And so when we see something that's crushed, we can see a Cheeto and a foot that has stepped on it and we see that that thing's been annihilated. But when it comes to a crushed spirit, it's very difficult to detect. It manifests itself in subtle ways. That's Proverbs 14, 13, where we get help here. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain. And the end of joy may be grief. What does a wounded spirit sound like in words? Here's some of the phrases. I don't, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm sad. Darkness is my closest friend. You know what you don't want, but you don't know what you want. Let me say that again. You know what you don't want, but you don't know what you want. What are some of the causes of a crushed spirit? Anything. Anything. I know that's general. Um, you know, how is that for a definition that anything can be the cause of a broken spirit? But I say that because it doesn't necessarily have to be something traumatic in life to happen for, us, for our spirits or our hearts to be uh, deeply grieved, deeply wounded. What are some of the underlying causes of a broken or wounded or crushed spirit? This is, this is where it can be a bit complex. Proverbs 13, 12 suggests that one cause is when hope has been deferred. When hope has been deferred, it makes the heart sick. But when it's fulfilled, it's a tree of life. Circumstances can lead to a crushed and wounded spirit. Things that are outside of your realm, things that happen to you, things that are brought, on, brought upon you, 
that you didn't ask for, that you didn't deserve, that, there was, uh, that, that, aren't done, that don't happen as a result of something you did. It's simply the circumstances, the tragedy, the reality of the fall of life. Circumstances can lead to you having a crushed spirit. It can be a psychological problem. It can be something that's contained in the body. It's not necessarily as a result of sin or circumstances, but something there that is in you based on the, the, based on the fall of humanity. We can have a, root, a wounded or crushed spirit as a result of our very own sin. Let me give you two examples, one from Psalm 32, both of which are from David. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen to what he said in verse 3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. Do you hear the expressions? Wounded heart as a result of his sin, because he kept his sin silent. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Psalm 38, David again. Listen to a number of these phrases that are connected with this. There's no soundness in my flesh. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly or foolishness. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I mourn all the day. My loins are filled with burning. There's no soundness in my flesh. I'm benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. My heart throbs. My strength fails. The light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. I'm like a deaf man. I'm like a mute man. I'm like a man who does not hear and whose mouth are no arguments. For I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. So there's two examples. We can have a wounded and crushed spirit as a result of sin, as a result of circumstances, as something that may be psychological that's in our body. Or we may not even realize why our spirit is being crushed. Charles Simeon, his sermon on Proverbs 18, 14. Let me read that for you again so you know which verse I'm speaking of. The spirit of man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? This was his outline as some of the causes for the wounded spirit. Nervous disorders, great and long continued afflictions, guilt upon the conscience, violent temptations, or spiritual desertion. And I highlight the last one. Because it's that feeling that God has turned his back on us. Some of the cures and what we know about the crushed spirit. Simeon said this, There's no wound that can be afflicted on the soul in this life which may not, by an application of the proper remedies, be healed. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth in his second letter, These afflictions are light and momentary and producing a weight of glory. So you see the transfer 
the weight, the heaviness of a wounded heart. And the reality that these are light and momentary. They don't always feel light and momentary. They press in on such ways that we feel like we're, we're struggling to get our next breath. We feel like we're drowning. The second question is, what are some of the experiences associated with a crushed spirit? It's important to understand that our experiences are different from one another. They are just that. They are our circumstances that express themselves in our experience. And so, just a little heads up that some of the examples that I'm going to provide today are examples from my, from my life. I've, I've talked with some of you here in this room, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm telling your story or that you feel outed in any way. And I want to be careful with that and some of the examples that I share because I don't want to turn this sermon uh, as a spotlight toward me. But I hope that it is in some ways helpful. I got a little bit of taste of a wounded spirit in the last couple of years. And I wasn't real sure what it was. It came upon me and uh, struggled for quite a long while and, and didn't have vocabulary for it, didn't really have categories for it. I um, wasn't really sure what to do uh, with it. All I knew is that something wasn't right internally. And one of the problems was that I was the only one who knew there was inner turmoil that was going on inside me. So this is one of the ways that it began to express itself. I would stay up late just about every night and just consume large uh, quantities of television. I wasn't watching anything inherently sinful and kind of stuff that if you were in my home, we'd sit down and watch it together. But it was so much that it wasn't healthy for the soul. It's the fact there were many nights where I would just sit there and I'm flipping through uh, Netflix or I'm flipping through regular TV and I can't decide what I want to watch. And it's not because I'm normally an indecisive person. It's because I knew I don't really want to watch this, but I don't know what to do. There were opportunities where I thought, well, I could spend this time in prayer, but I didn't want to go pray. I could spend this time reading God's Word, but I didn't really re want to read God's Word. I didn't know what was going on inside me. And really, it hasn't been until the last month where I began to understand that what was going inside me is that I didn't want to go to bed. The reason I did not want to go to sleep was because I knew that the day's troubles would be waiting for me the next morning when I woke. There would again be the struggle. I would get in God's Word, but I didn't have much joy. I would pray, but I didn't feel like the words penetrated more than the ceiling. I would go about my church responsibilities, but I would be doing so in a lot of ways in my own strength. I would not be eating well. I would once again be heavy with the fact that I haven't been exercising. And I would be once again crushed down that this is the same thing going on today that has been for weeks on end. It was more opportunities for me to be sad. Just, I looked at it as more opportunities for me not to be doing the things that I should be doing. I would be dissatisfied with my walk with Christ. I would struggle. I would grow weary with this here. I want somebody to know what's going on inside me. But I don't even know where to begin. My spirit was broken. 
was wounded. I don't think it had anything to do with sin. It wasn't, that was, that was obviously important. I just knew something was not right. I'm trying to walk the tightrope of not making this sermon about me or my experience because all of us are on this spectrum. We all know people on this spectrum. And our application cannot be to this person, just look to Jesus. There, I said it. Now that I got your attention, you wonder, where's he going now? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that application. Nothing wrong with those words. Foundationally speaking, there is no better remedy for the soul whether it's crushed or full of life, there is no better remedy for the soul than fix your eyes upon Jesus. I am advocating for those who are saying this. I hear you say that. I know that I'm supposed to do that. I simply do not know how to. In the spirit of this holiday season, it's like plugging a string of lights into the power source and only half of them lighting up. A couple of weeks ago when Jade and I were putting the lights on the tree, I think we had four or five strands that were half lit. They all tell you one bulb goes out, they don't all go out. I, I, don't, I don't know how they keep getting away with that. So did we try to find every bulb? Nope, we threw them all away. And we ran to the store and paid $2.37 and get a new string of lights. That's not what we're trying to do here. This is not the solution. The solution is not to throw the whole strand away and just go buy something new. We have to do the hard work of finding out what's inhibiting the string. We are going after the bulbs this morning. So when you tell people to look unto Jesus and Christ is sufficient, be careful to not neglect all that comes with looking at him and explaining why it is that he is enough. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, has a lot of things said before it, and it has a lot of wonderful things said after that. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is why he's a sufficient Savior. He understands the hostility. He understands the brokenness. He understands the affliction. He understands the wounds. And therefore, he is able to say, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart, so that you will not be crushed under the weight of your own sin, under uh, the sins that have been committed against us. So what is it like for those with a wounded spirit? I've shared with you a little bit on mine. These are much better quotes, okay? I'm not going to tell you who is saying this. So let's see if you figure out who it is, and then in the end I'll tell you. I will give you a hint. It's all the same person. You may be surrounded with all the comforts of life, 
and yet be in wretchedness. That's more gloomy than death if the spirits be depressed. You may have outward cause, whatever for sorrow, and yet in the mind be dejected. The brightest sunshine will not relieve your your gloom. At such time you are vexed with cares, haunted with dreams, scared with thoughts which distract you. You fear that your sins are not pardoned, that your past transgressions are brought to remembrance and that punishment is being meted out to you in full measure. I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. We very speedily care for bodily diseases. They are too painful to let us slumber in silence and they soon urge us to seek a physician or a surgeon for our healing. Oh, if we were as much alive to the more serious wounds of our inner man. Personally, I know there is nothing on earth that the human frame can suffer to be compared with despondency and prostration of mind. Who is this? Charles Haddon Spurgeon. One of the more quoted Baptist preachers. Insights into God's Word. Take a phrase and write paragraphs. So many helpful statements and yet filled with such sorrow. 1856, in October of 1856, Spurgeon stood before the people of his pastorate, he's preaching a sermon, and some prankster in the audience yelled, fire. And disruption occurred. And in that disruption, seven people were killed, 28 people seriously injured because some clown yelled, fire. This is what brought on this onset of a wounded spirit for Spurgeon. Some said he never fully recovered from it. What is it like for those who have a crushed spirit? We're complex human beings. No one is aware, as much aware of our inner man as we are. And we even confuse ourselves. Proverbs 14.10, the heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. How many of you here among us today are frustrated when you simply cannot describe the very things that are happening in your inner being? You know, something's not right, but you're struggling to put words to describe what it is that's going on and why it's not getting better. To keep this inward, for you to keep this inside yourself as I did for so long, is to further wound the already wounded spirit. Proverbs 4.23, this is what the Lord has in mind when he says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. We know that the wounded spirit is one of the reasons why it's important for us to tend to and guard the heart and the spirit. What is it like? Imagine if I handed you a bag of puzzle pieces. You have no idea what the visual image is for these pieces and there's no guarantee that you even have all 500 pieces required for the picture. A broken spirit can feel like this puzzle with scattered parts and no visual image for what the final picture should look like. Or to look at this metaphor from a different angle. 
Maybe you do have the image in front of you. Maybe you do know what it's supposed to look like, but you struggle to even put the pieces together. This reality only adds weight to an already heavy heart. So we've looked at what we know about the crushed spirit. What are some of the experiences associated with the crushed spirit? And thirdly, how can we approach those who with a wounded spirit? How can we walk alongside them and not be guilty of just coat snatching? How can we not be guilty of just throwing something in their drink that would be bitter? What are some clues that grief is at the end of their joy or that pain is underneath their laughter? I want to be clear that a crushed spirit can't remain in that position. Scripture doesn't hold forth being stuck as an acceptable option. We are to move toward Christ and we ought to move toward others. And this is one way we can enter in, by acknowledging and validating the struggle, but slowly walking them to Christ. We wouldn't expect a patient to do what they are incapable of doing. If somebody's having major surgery, we're not going to require them to go out and handle the affairs of their life as they did before the surgery. We're going to be patient with them. We ought to be careful not to project upon them what and how they ought to feel. We're going to handle things because we're relational, we're emotional, we're physical, we're spiritual. We're going to handle things differently than others. What bothers me may not be something that bothers you, so be careful not to project your feelings upon someone else. Rather, you listen. You guide them to the Spirit. Eventually, the Spirit is going to expose the very things that are in the realm of self-pity. It's one of the greatest ways the Spirit of God comforted my soul during the season where it was wounded. It's beginning to show me Nathan, this is where you're being, this is where you're feeling sorry for yourself. And when we begin to feel sorry for ourselves, the response then really, it, it, it is to repent from that and to turn to Christ, not to turn inward, but to turn to Him. There is no quick, simple remedy for heart reparations. It's not about just taking something and things will be better. It's not about just new circumstances and things will get better. It's not about just believe this or just get over this. This is vinegar, soda, coat removal kind of help. That's not good. All depressed people, wounded spirit people, are sullen, radical atheists. And they need help. Believing Hebrews 11.6. Without faith it is impossible to believe God. To believe God. For we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. How can we approach those with a wounded spirit? Listen to them. Find out the things that are going on in their life. Try to understand where are they wounded. See if there is any sin that's connected with this broken spirit. And apply the right application of the gospel to the wound. Apply the proper application of the gospel to the wound. When my blood work comes back and shows that I have cholesterol, high cholesterol, which I do, I'm not walking out of that doctor's office with a Z-pack or a sinus cocktail. 
Those things are not going to help me. I need a statin. I need a better diet. I need exercise. I need the right remedy, the right application to the condition of my soul. And in a similar way, when we're walking with people, even in evangelism, if somebody comes to you and they have a real sense, awareness of their sinfulness before a holy God, I mean, are you going to say to them, hey, God hates all who do iniquity. You realize that uh, Psalm chapter 7, that, uh, that his sword is ready, that his bow is ready, that his anger burns every day against the wicked. You realize Ro- Romans chapter 1, that he's storing up wrath to pour out on you're, you're probably not going to take that approach. They are aware of their sinfulness before a holy God. They're aware that they deserve his wrath and his justice. Rather, you're going to hold forth a lovely Christ who offers full redemption for every one of their sins. That's what you're going to hold forth before them. What is it like for them? How do we help them? They need lamps and lights. They need Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Fourth, what can we learn from our brothers and sisters who have a wounded spirit? This is good. Not, not the sermon, but this is, this, this is good because more often than not, those who have a crushed and wounded spirit feel like there's nothing that they have to contribute to anybody's spiritual well-being. We can learn from them these things. We can learn how to long for and yearn for heaven. We can learn how to long for and yearn for heaven. Some of our brothers and sisters who are wounded in heart and spirit have greater expressions and longings for the return of Christ. As we finish up the Revelation study, they are in lockstep in spirit with come, Lord, quickly. These are sweet words to them. Revelation 21, 3 through 4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among them, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The first things have passed away. They understand there's this longing for that to be removed based on their experience. Revelation 21, And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. So we can learn from them how to long for and yearn for the return of Christ. What else can we learn from them? The more open the wound, the sweeter the balm of Christ. The capacity for receiving help from Jesus Christ expands. It's matched. It's matched with hardness, with grace. As I was preparing this week, I was listening to uh, George Friedrich Handel, I think I, pr- I hope I pronounced that correctly, but he wrote the score for Handel's Messiah. I may have 
botched that up. Um, but one of the, uh, as I, so I was listening through this yesterday, and I'm thinking, man, what, what beautiful application this is. Here are the lyrics to, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd, which are taken straight from Scripture. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. That's from Isaiah. Come unto me, all you who are labor. Come unto me that are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him, for he is meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Are the words of Jesus to his weary and heavy laden people. Lastly, the application, or how do we do battle when you simply don't want to do battle? I want you to picture us sitting at the table together. Not just somebody standing before you saying, do this, listen to this, but picture us sitting at the table together. More importantly, picture the Father his disposition towards you, his children. Not with a lowered head, but your hand in his, and him saying to you, look in my eyes and listen. God is acquainted with your spirit. We know this because he's created us in his image. He says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the hairs on our head. He accepts the work of his son in a way that no charge, no accusation can be brought against us to him, that he is not already fully aware of, and that he has not already sent his son, Christ, to fully atone for. So picture the Father saying these things to you. Because right now, this is not a full sermon. And the reason it's not a full sermon is because of the things that I'm about to share with you now. I've attempted to hopefully model and demonstrate a way that we could walk alongside people whose spirits are wounded. We listen. We try to understand. And we apply Christ and Him crucified. So the first, how do we do battle when you don't want to do battle? Understand this precious reality. God hears you. Let that ruminate in the heart for a little bit. He hears you. Your Father hears you. He's listening to your voice that He gave you. He's listening to the inner cries of the heart. He's listening to it all. He hears you. You know, just a couple of things that he says in response to what he's hearing. Psalm 34, 18 was prayed or shared earlier. The Lord's near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 145. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's kind in all of his deeds. He's near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. Remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
Desire fulfilled is what? A tree of life. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord keeps. The Lord keeps all who love him. God hears you. Talk to him. Secondly, and this is, this is, this is, this is the sermon. This is, this, is, this is the best news. Christ is acquainted with the wounded spirit. Christ is, Christ is acquainted with the wounded spirit. We can talk to people who don't get us. We can talk to people who uh, misunderstand. Christ is acquainted with a wounded spirit. Bear with me as I read portions of Isaiah 52. Because I want you to listen, I want you to take into consideration all that's been laid before us today about the crushed, wounded, and broken spirit. And listen to how Christ is acquainted with this. He was despised and forsaken of men. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely, our griefs he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Remember how complicated and complex we are? But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Christ. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that is silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living? For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. It's one of the things associated with a wounded spirit. He's the guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul. This is why Christ is acquainted. The suffering servant. He will see it and be satisfied. By, the knowledge of the, by his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. He has poured himself out to death. He was numbered with the transgressors. 
He bore, he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Christ is acquainted with our sorrow. The worst kind of sorrow. Sin that offends a holy God. Yet he was crushed. He was stricken. And the Lord was pleased to do this. Jesus understood betrayal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke both say, give the account, that Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Betrayal is one of the associations with the wounded spirit. Christ was betrayed by those whom he loved. He was forsaken. Jesus cried out to his Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that when we read in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Listen to this. He was afflicted so that in our afflictions, we would not be crushed. He was certain so that when we are, we, so that when we are perplexed, we will not despair. He was persecuted so that in our persecution, we would not lose hope. He was forsaken so that we would not be forsaken, but that we would be forgiven, loved, accepted. He was struck down so that the Father would not destroy us. He died so that we may have life in him. He died so that we can die daily and live unto him. This is why Christ is acquainted with our sorrow. This is, this is why he's, he's able, he's capable for us to take to him the wounds of our heart. He answered the question in Jeremiah 8.22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored? Christ answered those questions. Again, David praying in Psalm 40, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the mighty clay, and set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Loved one, Isaiah 42.3, a bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. Psalm 30 So good. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, if you recall in Luke chapter 4, is where Jesus stood up in the synagogue, opened it to Isaiah, read, sat down and said, Today this has been fulfilled in your presence. This is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. Who? Jesus. To bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who 
mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion. Listen to this exchange. Given them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So that they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. You see this beautiful picture. Our wounds, our brokenness, crushed before the Lord who sent his son to be crushed on our behalf. Why? This is why Christ is, why Christ is of capable help with a crushed or wounded spirit. Because he can sympathize. As our suffering, of which a wounded, broken, crushed spirit would most certainly be categorized, as it is abundant, so is the comfort that we have in Christ. Let us remember Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Lastly, so we, God hears, Christ is acquainted. Last is this, go public with someone this week. Your broken spirit, wounded spirit, it would have you feel that your problems are your problems, that you are alone, that no one else is struggling, that no one else understands what you're struggling, or nobody can maybe identify in the ways that you are struggling. Let someone in where God is already at work. It's okay if you it's okay if your lips struggle to put into the words the confusion and despair you are experiencing. It's okay. This past week, I met with two different people to talk about some of these things that are associated with, with my own wounded and broken spirit. In both cases, I tried to get out of that beforehand. I'm so thankful. I mean, many times that I've shut myself down in front of April because I get irritated at myself. She's never scolded me for struggling to articulate. She's never said, man, you have no problem standing in front of people talking. Like, why can't you, why can't you say what's going on? Patient, listening, asking good questions, giving me the opportunity to talk. Going public is an evidence of the Lord at work in you. And let me, let me define going public as not necessarily standing in front of all of us and saying, here's how my spirit's been wounded and crushed. It's talking with another brother or sister in Christ. The temptation is going to be strong to remain inward, which I believe is more death for the crushed spirit. Author Wesley Hill said these two helpful things about the broken spirit that I believe would be helpful for us today. This is what he learned from a friend. I just want to be whole again. And I thought by pretending it wasn't there, the depression would just go away. But ignoring it, excuse me, but ignoring is not the path of redeeming. If I wanted this depression to be redeemed, I had to face it head on. Ignoring is not the path of redeeming. Secondly, was the relief that he explained when he actually talked with someone. He made this comment, I'm not alone 
and knowing this about myself anymore. So, loved ones, your Father who is in heaven and near you right now is saying that He's near the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's near. Go to Him. Let's pray. Father, we humbly bow ourselves before you, thankful, thankful that your word offers hope in a situation that's hard to define, it's hard to understand, it's hard to talk about, it's painful to deal with, it's frustrating when it lingers. It's not always met with helpful remedies and solutions. We're, we're thankful that your word offers hope. And so, Lord, I, I, I do ask that in the days ahead that you would remind us, Lord, that you, you are acquainted with our grief. You're acquainted with the heaviness. You know it. You know it. You know it all. And help us, Lord. Help us to be mindful of all the ways that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ holds real, lasting, eternal, and immediate hope for us when our spirits have been crushed, when they are wounded, when they are broken. And God, we pray that you'd give us wisdom as your people called together in this family here. Lord, help us to know when somebody comes to us and their heart's weighed down with anxiety, to know when to give them a good word so that it'll be glad. Lord, help us to know too, not to just sing songs, Lord, not to just treats others like everything should be okay when the heart's troubled. We need your help and we're thankful, Lord, that we have a Savior who's near, who hears, who's active, who's a refuge and a present help and trouble. We thank you for these things and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.